we as pastors to thank you guys for holding down church last week. I hear it was really good. Many people have approached me and said, we really liked that guy last week. And I'm like, well, I know he's, maybe I'll just have him take over then. Jeez. No, I'm just kidding. It's, it's awesome that he gets to express his gifts of teaching. That's why I invite him out here. And unfortunately, he's part of a, a fairly large church, and he doesn't get to do that much of the you know, expository teaching on Sunday morning. So I'm so grateful that we have that platform for him and that he taught. I listened to his sermon. It was very good. And I was like, I, I finished it up yesterday, Saturday morning, after I've already prepared my sermon. And I'm like, he just taught what I'm teaching on. So I can't change now. So you're going to get a similar sermon. Sorry. No, it, but you are really kind of. Because, as you know, we are in our series of purpose the purpose of Renaissance Christian Church. And remember, there are three parts to that. The first, there is uh, seeking God. That's what we do, and we talked about that a few weeks ago, seeking God, and, and really what John was mentioning about growing up in our relationship with Christ, seeking for His kingdom to be ruling and reigning over our lives more and more. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Then we talked about serving others. That was the, the working out of our faith and using our gifts, like Daniel came out here last week and used his gifts here to edify the church. And then this week, we're talking about our third aspect of the purpose of our church, and that is sharing the gospel. And that's exactly what Daniel taught on last week. So it was awesome. I'm going to piggyback on that, but I'm not going to teach from Acts. Thankfully, that was in my mind, teaching from there, but I'm glad I'm not. Because you guys will be real, you'll be experts on that. Acts chapter one. Actually, we're going to go to First Peter chapter two, and the title of the message, as I already said, is "Purpose: Sharing the Gospel," and that can be daunting and scary, because I'm sure different images comes to our mind when we're told we need to share the gospel. Like, do I have to preach a sermon to every person? that I meet, that I run into, what does that mean, sharing the gospel? And what is the gospel? I don't even know the gospel. How am I going to share something that I don't know? Well, we're going to talk about all those things this morning and hopefully alleviate some of those fears because guess what? We are called to share the gospel. We at Renaissance Christian Church believe that God calls his people for a purpose and that purpose is to share the gospel, at least one of them. And we're going to talk about that this morning. But before I read, let's let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to open our hearts and our ears so that we might hear what the Spirit says to us this morning. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you again so much for this church, for all that you've given us as a body, as a family, as Pastor John so aptly put it. We're part of a family. We come here to grow together to serve one another and lord god not just to keep all that here but to share that with other people because we have a wonderful god a great god who has given us so much and we want to share that with other people we want them to experience your love and your grace and to be part of a healthy church so we thank you for that help us to hear that message this morning show us lord god in our lives how to do that And give us the strength through the power of your Holy Spirit. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I said, open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. And we're going to look specifically at verses 9 
through 12. Again, I, I do want to thank you guys for allowing us to leave last weekend. It was a great weekend for the pastors and our wives to really focus on how we can become better shepherds of the church. That's really what it was. What can we do as with, the, with the gifts that we have to help the body of Christ grow up? So we're, we're excited about all the things the Lord showed us, and, and so we'll be sharing those things throughout the coming weeks and months and just look forward to what God is going to do at our church. But today, again, we're going to focus on sharing the gospel. And again, as I mentioned, we believe that God has called his people for a purpose. And we're going to look at the text and read that, and you'll see that purpose this morning. And here the Apostle Peter is writing to the church. And I had mentioned a few weeks ago that every letter in the New Testament is written to a church or to a leader of a church. Again, emphasizing that community, that family. There's not like just one person just roaming out there on his own or her own. And uh, just if you look at chapter 1, just real quick, just so you know what I'm talking about. Chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. I want to read this just to give you an idea of who he's talking to. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. So he's writing to all the churches in those areas. And what does he say? Let's go now to our text in chapter 2. And by the way, these churches are probably in the midst of some type of persecution. Their world is hostile towards them just like it is towards us as believers. And so in the middle of this, he doesn't tell them to hide in fear, but he gives them a mission. And again, look at verse 9 now of chapter 2. It says, But you, again, he's talking to the church, are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may, you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lust, which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, you may, because of your good deeds as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. So again, in the context of this, Peter is telling them they have a mission in the world to proclaim the gospel. There's two ways that they do that. We'll see that in a moment. But I want to tell you that this isn't a new mission that God has given the church. Whenever God calls people to himself, one, it's for his own glorification, but he also calls them to go out and do something. God has, for some reason, chosen to use us, fallible, imperfect people, in his plan of redemption to the world. I mean, think of your own salvation in your life. How many of you, you don't have to raise hands, but how many of you just say, you know what, today, 
I'm going to seek God with all my heart, and I'm going to I'm going to finally find out who He is. Did anybody do this? Anybody ever said, "Yeah, I did that one morning." I said, "All on my own, I just decided to follow God." No, more than likely, we knew somebody who knew the Lord, right? It was in, inviting us to church or witnessing to us and telling us about God. You can read. How many of you had that experience? How many of you learned about God from somebody else? Raise your hand. All of us, right? So. We're like, hey, it could have been your parent. You're like, well, I was born into a family where, where my mother and father were Christian, and they all were always preaching the gospel to me, right? That could be some people's experience. Those are, that's my kid's experience, you know. But some of us learned it from friends or boyfriends, girlfriends, neighbors, coworkers. So you see, God has always used somebody to go out and proclaim the gospel. And let me give you a few examples. This has been an example throughout the history of Scripture, and I heard Daniel do this too. I was like, oh man. But I'm using, if you, who remembers Daniel going back to Genesis showing you God's redemptive plan? Okay, thank, for those five of you that took notes and listened. For the rest of us, see, that's why God says you're going to preach the same message. But uh, I don't have the same scripture verses. I have better scripture verses. No, just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So turn to Genesis chapter 12. I'm joking. Genesis chapter 12. Starting in verse 1, here's Abram. Remember, God called Abram. Look at what God does in Genesis 12 with Abram. Just an example of how God calls somebody to go out, to follow him, and then to do something. It's interesting. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to a land which I will show you. And look at all these blessings. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. So these are all these things he's going to do from Abram. But I like what he says here about what he's going to do through Abram. And he says, and I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse you. And look at this. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Abraham was to be a blessing to all the nations that come after him. God was going to move through Abram to bless all the nations. But not just Abraham, also in his son. Turn with me now to Genesis chapter 26. And look at verses 2 through 4 where he now speaks to Isaac and gives a similar calling to him about what he's going to do. Genesis 26, starting in verse 2, the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Stay in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and bless you, for to you and to all your descendants. And I will give all these lands, I swore to your father Abram. I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven, and I will give your descendants all these lands. And by your descendants, look at this, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. God chose these men to bless a bunch of other people that were going to come afterwards. Maybe not specifically with him, but through his descendants. So you see that God continually working through people. If you know the stories of Abram and Isaac, they weren't the most perfect people in the world, were they? But yet God chose to use them. And let's look at a couple more examples. Go to Genesis 28 and look at verses 13 through 14, where God chooses Jacob now for a certain plan, a certain purpose 
Genesis 28, look at verses 13 and 14. And behold, the Lord stood above and said, I am the Lord, the God, the God of your, uh, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abram and the God of Isaac and the land on which you lie. And I give it to you and to your descendants. For your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth and will spread out to the east and to the west and to the north and to the south. And look at this. And in you and your descendants shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God continually using men and women through these men to bless entire nations, to bless the entire world. And eventually he speaks to the nation of Israel. Turn with me to the book of Exodus chapter 19. Exodus 19, this is before God uh, gives Israel the Ten Commandments. He has just led them out of Egypt. And look at what he says to them, starting in uh, Exodus 19, verse 3. I keep your finger here because we're going to refer back to uh, just a couple of sec- uh, sentences in, this, in these verses. Where he says this, Moses went up to God and the Lord called him called him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, this is the nation of Israel now, and tell the sons of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. So he's called them to himself. Now he's going to give them the task, their purpose. He says, Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, Then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for the earth is mine. And you shall be to me, look at this, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. God gave them a task to be priests. And a priest priest is somebody that stands between the people and God, representing, representing the people to God and representing God to the people. The entire nation was supposed to be that for all the nations of the world. And as you know, the story of Israel, they eventually did not carry out that plan. So God came in and has used the church, and we'll see that in a few moments here. Now let's go to the New Testament, because that was the plan throughout the rest of the Old Testament. And God even, God the Father, even gave God the Son a specific task a specific purpose as uh, as prophesied by Simeon in Luke chapter 2 verse 30 through 32 so you remember Jesus as a little baby is brought to the temple and Simeon grabs a little baby and says this he says for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the presence of all people and look at what he says about Jesus the light of revelations to the gent- the light of revelation to the gentiles and the glory of your people israel so god's plan was to bring salvation not just to israel the nation but to all the gentiles that was the purpose of abram isaac jacob and the nation of israel and now it is fully fulfilled in jesus christ but it doesn't stop there uh, turn with me to john chapter 15 John chapter 15, look at verse 26 through 27. Jesus speaking to his apostles says this, when the helper comes, whom I send to you from the father, that is the spirit of truth 
who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me and will and you look at. So this is their task. And you will testify also because you have been with me from the beginning. They were to go out and be witnesses. And this is what Daniel talked about last week in Acts chapter one. So now that brings us back to our text again. I just wanted to show you that in God's plan of redemption, it was always to use people for a purpose. Now, God could have easily just done without us and poked his head into this world and said, hey, you need to follow me. But for some reason, and in, in the scripture, maybe it tells, but I, I don't know where, so maybe that could be something you could find out, why he chose to use people like you and me to bring about his redemptive plan, to go out and share the good news. So in our text, going now back to First uh, Peter chapter 2, look at verse 9 again. Hopefully I, I made my case that God ha- chose to use people throughout history. Now he's going to use the church. Remember, I started the sermon this morning by reading John, uh, First Peter chapter 1. He's speaking to the church. And what was the church supposed to be again? Look at verse 9. But you are a chosen race. A royal priesthood. Did, did, uh, yeah, sorry. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. For what reason? So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. For once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. This is the same language that he used with the nation of Israel. And I just read that in Exodus chapter 19. That's why I told you to keep your finger there. Because in those verses, he calls the nation of Israel a people for my own possession. A kingdom of priests. And he calls them a holy nation. That's what he's calling the church here in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. He's using the same language. Because the same purpose has been God's idea for, throughout human history. God was going to use people. He's going to call them to himself, empower them to go out and be his representatives. So now you and me, we are a chosen people. You and me, as believers, are a royal priesthood. You and me are a holy nation. We are people for God's own possession. And it was the same language God used in the book of Deuteronomy. I'll read that to you quickly. Chapter 7, verse 6. In Deuteronomy, chapter 7, verse 6. So God is re-giving the law to the nation of Israel before they enter into the promised land. This was after the Exodus. He says this. Look at the language. For you are a holy people. Same thing he says to the church. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his own possession. Same thing we read in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Out of all the people who are on the face of the earth. It has been God's purpose from the beginning of human history to use people to proclaim God's good news and be a blessing to other people. So we as Gentiles, if you're not uh, Jewish, if you're not a believer... A Jewish believer, you've been grafted into God's redemptive plan with the nation of Israel. And now there is a new Israel of God that contains both Jewish and Gentile believers. 
who are in the church. It's not just the Jews anymore. We are all God's people chosen for a purpose. And you can read that in Romans if you would like. Paul goes into detail explaining that how the church is now grafted in to all the blessings of the nation Israel. And we are now one. Remember in Ephesians, he says he broke down that barrier. We're not two people, but one people in God now. So what are we called to do? As I mentioned earlier, we are called to do two things. We are called, number one, to proclaim his mighty deeds with our voices. And that was in verse nine, right? He said he called you to do all. He calls you to proclaim his excellencies who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So that means we have to talk. We have to praise God. We have to praise God among other people. So in order to proclaim the gospel, that means that we proclaim his mighty deeds with our voices. But not only that. There's something else that First Peter tells us, and you might have missed it. It's on the back end of the scriptures that I've read. It's in verses 11 and 12. And let's read that again, because what he's saying here to us as believers is this, that we proclaim God's mighties, mighties, mighty deeds with our lives. So we do it with our voices, and we also do it with the way that we live. Look at what he says in verse 11 of First Peter again. He said, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Look at what he says here in verse 12. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. He's speaking of Gentile non-believers. Why? Why should we keep our behavior excellent among other people? Look at what he said. He answers that question. So that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers. So if somebody's talking bad about you, about something that you they say you're doing, they're slandering you. He says, no, you keep your behavior excellent among them so that when they do that, look at the outcome of this at the end of verse 12. As they observe them, as they observe your behavior, they glorify God in the day of visitation. He's talking about salvation. You can't glorify God unless you are saved. So he's saying they're going to see the way that you behave. They're going to see the way that you live. And it's going to be such a testimony about God that they're going to glorify me when I return in the day of his visitation. They're going to get saved. Think of all the the people in your life before you were a believer who kind of led you to the Lord. It was probably something about their character that stood out, not just their words, right? Because after a while, you, you don't hear them anymore. They keep talking to you. They keep telling you about the Lord. And you're like, you know, be quiet. But it was something in their life. Something changed in their life. Their example of their life is kind of what drew you. Like, hey, maybe there's something true to this. Maybe this is real. Let me go check it out. Let me go to church with you. Right? We, most of us raised our hand and said, uh, we did that. That's how we came probably to know the Lord. Because of an example of somebody else. Now, if somebody's talking about how great God is and their life is totally contrary to that, we're probably not going to listen to them. They're, they're a real hypocrite. Now, we're all hypocrites in a sense because we're not perfect. And none of us should ever claim to be. But we serve a perfect God and we try to follow him in the power of his strength. 
And so that's what the Apostle Peter is saying here is like, you guys are to be witnesses to the greatness of God. You do it with your voices and you also do it with your behavior and not just in the good times, but in the bad times. So we're called to live in a way that will cause people to watch us and to glorify God. Remember the context of what's going on here in First Peter. They're living in a world that's hostile. So people watch us more when we go through hard times. Right? When, it's, when everything's going good and everything's great, it's easy to praise God. But what about in the hard times? What about when a loved one's sick in the hospital? What about when someone that you love, you've just lost? What about when you're being persecuted and slandered and, and being spoken evil of? Can you praise God in those times? What about if you just lost your job? Can you praise God? What if you've lost your parents or your child? Can you still praise God? It is in those times where our witness speaks the loudest. So, we know as, as a church that our mission, our purpose is to share the gospel. So the next question comes, well, what is the gospel? What, exa- what exactly am I going to say to people? And let me just give you a few things because this could be a whole sermon in itself. And, because, and a lot of us will say, well, I don't know the gospel, so I can't share it. Well, let me just give you this to start, and then we'll talk about how we do it in a moment. So what is the gospel? Well, the gospel, it's the good news about what God has done for humankind, what God has done for you, what God has done for me, and what God has done for all his people throughout human history. <clears throat> and it's this. Number one, we have sinned against God. We need to come to a realization that we have sinned against God. We have offended him. We've offended God. And because of that, we deserve to be punished by God. We've sinned against a holy God who demands perfection, and we failed, and we continue to fail. Therefore, we deserve to be punished by God. We, de- we need to suffer the consequences of our sin. Our actions deserve punishment. But God took upon himself the penalty of our sin. This is where Jesus Christ comes. God says, you know what? I'm not going to punish you. Instead, I'm going to punish my son for your sins. And God took the sin of the world upon himself and Jesus Christ, and he reconciled us to him. Because unless there's uh, punishment for sin, we can't be reconciled to God. And so Jesus took that upon himself and reconciled us to God. And that's the good news. Jesus suffered for our sins, and he reconciled us to God, meaning he put our, gave us the ability to be at one with God, to be at peace with God. And because of that, now we have forgiveness of our sins if we believe in him. See, that's the thing. This salvation is offered to all people, but it only is applied to those who believe. So all of us at one point in our lives did not believe, and therefore we were not reconciled to God. And if you're not reconciled to God, then you will suffer for the penalty of your sin. But we've been reconciled to God. Therefore, God will forgive us of our sins if we believe in him. And God will give us eternal life because we believe on him. 
So instead of eternally being separated from God, and we believed on him, we, have, we will spend all eternity with God. And as I mentioned, if we reject that, we will suffer the penalty of our sins. Somebody is going to pay for your sins, for my sins. It's either going to be ourselves or it's Jesus Christ who came as the substitution for our sins. So that, in a nutshell, even though it's a mouthful, is the gospel. And I'm sure there's an easier way to say it, but that's how I know how to say it. Now, you might be thinking, well, I have to say all that to every person I meet? And I have to say that to people? Well, it depends if you get the opportunity to. But, I mean, let's be honest. How many of you heard that when you first became a believer from that person that was a friend of yours? Probably not all of us. Probably not most of us, right? Like us, our friend probably stumbled and bumbled over the gospel and messed it up and probably said some heretical things in the process and didn't even know it. But God can use that. For some reason, God chooses to use us. So that's the gospel. We should learn that. We should know it and understand it. The gospel isn't this, that God came to this world to make you healthy, wealthy, and successful. That's not the gospel Find that in the scripture, then I'll believe it. You won't. (laughs) The honesty is that we've sinned. The honest truth is we've sinned against God. We deserve punishment, and each of us will face punishment unless we receive and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, what he has done for us. That's the gospel. You're like, well, that was easier said than what you said earlier, Robert. (laughs) Well, get this, get, listen to it on a podcast and, you know, use that one said. So, Here comes another question. Now that you know the gospel or have heard the gospel or are trying to understand it, how do we share it, right? That's even the harder part. How do do you do it? I mean, it's not like we're not in sales and we're not over here selling product. That's not going to work, and that's not what the gospel is. How do we share the gospel? Well, it really comes down to we live out the gospel in our lives, as we said, or as I said earlier, that's number one. We live out the gospel in our own lives. Again, Peter explained this as a great witness in the midst of persecution that people were watching the church. And he was saying, because of your excellent behavior, they're going to glorify God. So we have number one, we have to live out the gospel in our own lives before anybody will probably listen. That's number one. Number two, we, ha- we share personally. We share personally. That means we build relationship with others. We kind of earn the right to speak about the gospel to other people. And what I mean by we share personally is that we, take, we talk to them about our life. We talk to them about their life. And then we share the gospel in those times. So we build the relationship with all the people in our lives and then God presents those opportunities where we can share some of the gospel. Maybe not all of it, maybe just a little tiny bit. But, but the longer that we're in relationship with people and we're, we have a, a personal friendship with people or with your relatives, you earn the right to say something. They might not let you get very far, but if you're living it out and you're involved in people's lives, then you will be able to share it. You will know exactly what part of the gospel they need to hear at that time. 
So I can't give you the like how to do it. I can just kind of give you like here's some ways that we do it. We number one, we have to live out the gospel in our lives. That's so important. And number two, we share personally. Because there's not many of us, I venture, that came to Christ because some stranger shared the gospel with us out on the street. As a matter of fact, it's going to be similar to how we all came to church, right? Or how we became believers. Think of this. How many of you came to this church because you knew somebody at this church? Let's see. Raise your hand. Right. There's not many. I could think of maybe four or five people here that that found this church just by like, oh, I just saw the church in the neighborhood and I popped in. No, we're usually in relationship with one another. And because you know somebody that goes there and they've talked about that church, you're like, hey, I want to go there, too, and I'm going to check it out. That's usually how it happens. It's it's rare, but it does happen. Like I said, I know like four or five people here that just found us on the Internet or driving down the street and they saw that there's a church there. and They said, hey, I'm going to try that out. Usually it's that personal relationship that we have. That kind of connects us with that church. And the same thing is true with the gospel. It's that personal relationship that we have with people in our lives that we get to know them. And then the sharing the gospel comes naturally. Not, it's not this wooden thing like I was presenting earlier. Although there's maybe times to do that. Have you ever been street witnessing? You know, where you just go out on the streets and talk to people and telling them about the gospel, telling them about the Lord. That might happen, but it's not very often. So how do we share the gospel? Again, number one, we live out the gospel in our own lives. We share personally. And we also share in love. We need to be sincere when we're sharing with people. You can't read all seven of those things. I'm going to say all seven of these things because this is the gospel to my coworker or my neighbor. I'm just going to, I'm going to knock on the door and I'm going to say these things. We've all sinned against God. Uh, we deserve to be punished by God. Now, that's the gospel, but it's, there's no love. There's no sincerity. And I will slam the door in your face if you came to my house and did that. And you, they probably will too. But we share unless, I mean, we, we're sincere. We care about them. We care that, and we truly believe that unless they come to Christ, they will be lost for all eternity. So in sincerity, in love, we share because we care about them. It, it was later on in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, where Peter says this. Let me read this to you. He says, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. That's 1 Peter 3.15. Look at this. Always be ready to make a defense to everyone who asks. To everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. He's talking about the gospel. Yet, look at what he says. With gentleness and reverence or respect. Again, you share the gospel in love with people. He's assuming that you have this relationship and somebody's going to ask you about it and you need to be prepared and ready to defend your faith. Why do you believe in God? Why do you think this or why do you think that? Believe me, the more you share with people, the more you're going to grow. You're going to get some tough questions out there. How do you know the Bible's true? How do you know Jesus existed? Uh, What about these other religions? That's how I, you know what, that's, I just went out and started sharing and I was like, I don't know. Uh, let me go find out. Thankfully, we live in a day and age where I, I guarantee you every one of the questions that you'll hear have been answered confidently. 
and with and believe me that there are really good things out there that you can find if you if you ever have a question ask one of the pastors ask your brothers or sisters in in the church maybe they've been asked that question and they can lead you and help you in defending the faith in that area so how do we share the gospel again we live it out we share it personally we share it in love and we need to share in truth Truth and love. We need to do it with all sincerity, but we need to be truthful with people. Again, we're not like used car salesmen. Sorry if there's any used car salesmen here. Or salesmen in general, we, you maybe kind of like don't tell the whole truth. Maybe tell a little bit just to get you to buy something. We're not selling anything. We love and we care about people, and we truly believe this. So we're honest and open about who God is. We're honest and open about sins. And we need to be honest and open to people about their sins. We don't need to sugarcoat everything. We need to do it in love and sincerity. But we need to be honest and tell people what God says about certain things. So I think if we take those principles, we can worry about all the other things later. Just If you do this, if you're living it out and you're being sincere and you're being personable and you're sharing truthfully, God will use you. Again, look at the, the men that I gave you in Scripture outside of Jesus. You have the apostles, you know, who weren't the greatest and brightest of the world. You had Abram, who tried to uh, pawn his wife off as his sister so that he didn't get killed, right? How many of us have ever done that? Well, don't raise your hand. <laughs> right? And God used him. And then Isaac and Jacob, I mean, all these guys, these, these guys weren't the brightest and the greatest and the most godly. I think Daniel said it pretty roughly. I think he said, we were talking about the ministry, like the most stupidest or, uh, what did he say again? Does anybody remember? <laughs> Something about, I heard, I was like, whoa, Daniel, dude, it's kind of rough. But he said, a God, you know, like, you know, that even this, the most stupidest Christian is greater than John the Baptist. I was like, oh, okay, I want to see how he explains that. But he did. If you didn't hear him, it's okay. Uh, it, it worked out. The point being that we have so much power with, our whole, with the Holy Spirit that we can go out and share the gospel. We don't have to worry about it, even if we're not that bright or smart and have all the answers, because none of us do. But again, we share it by living it out. We share it personally, we share in love, and we share in truth, and God will honor that. And God has honored it throughout human history, if you look at the pages of Scripture. Now, I want to close, close with this. Um, I, I've read this before when I've taught on sharing the gospel. It's a, it's a study uh, by a man named Rodney Stark, who's a, a sociologist, and he wrote a book called The Rise of Christianity. Um, and what he says about, so his study is like he wants to know how Christianity became like this great force in the ancient world. And he does it from a, uh, as a sociologist. You know, he doesn't do it with scripture. He doesn't do it with, you know, what we would look for. He's just purely doing it like a case study, scientific case study. And he came to this conclusion, which is pretty simple. He says this. Christianity did not grow because of miracle working in the marketplaces. Although there may have been much of that going on. He doesn't discredit that. He just says that's not why it grew. 
Um, and he also mentions the Roman Emperor Constantine. He says, or because Constantine said it should. Or because the martyrs gave it credibility. Because, again, in the ancient world, Christians were dying for their faith. He says, um, instead, it grew primarily by mean, through, excuse me, it grew primarily through the united and motivated efforts of growing of the growing number of Christian believers. How did they do it? Listen to this. This is like earth shattery. Who invited their friends, relatives and neighbors to share the good news. That was it. Just like each and every one of us is here. Somebody invited us to come to church. Somebody invited us to join this community. The good news. Let me read that again. The primary means of its growth was through the united and motivated efforts of growing numbers of Christian believers who invited their friends and relatives and neighbors to share the good news. Again, you most of you raised your hand and saying that's how I came to faith. A friend, a neighbor, a relative invited me to share in the good news. And that's how we do it. That's how we share the gospel with your friends and your neighbors. It's just inviting them to share what you have in Christ. And maybe you're like, well, how about if I just invite them to church and they can hear it from you? Well, that's fine, too. That's what we need to be doing. That's what we want to commit ourselves to doing as a church. We want to see the gospel go outside of these walls. And so if we're not going to go out and share it, then sometimes we need to bring them in here. And you know what? Honestly, that's one of the things, um, and we'll close with this. That's one of the things that um, last weekend as we sat around as pastors and wives as we shared, you know what? We need to do a better job of reaching to the world outside of this church. Because all of us that are here, I hope, love this church, and we like what we have here. We, wanted, we want other people to know about it and we share it with them. Just like the early church did, as Rodney Stark said, with our telling our friends and relatives and neighbors, inviting them to share in the good news. So I want to close with this last step of application, and I want you guys to do this. Well, I would invite you guys to do this. You know, we have a prayer team that prays every Monday together, and we have uh, cards. I forgot to hand them out. I'm sorry. But there's cards out there, and I want us to do this. I want us to write down the name of someone you want to share the gospel with. So I would invite you to do that. before When you leave, grab one of those cards, write down their name, and you can bring it back next week if you want, if you, don't, if you really want to think about that person. But maybe somebody comes to your mind that you know doesn't know the Lord, and you want to have the courage to somehow share the gospel with them. I want us to write that name down, put it on that card, and let the church pray for that person. Let them pray for you as well so that you can have an opportunity to share with them. And you pray for them as well. And you live out the gospel in front of them. And then you, when you get the opportunity, share personally with them about the Lord Jesus Christ. So again, I want us to, before we leave church this morning, I want you to, do, I want you to grab a card, write down the name of a friend, a relative, a neighbor that, you, that God puts on your heart that you want to share with them, you want to tell them about the gospel. And you commit to doing that. And even, I would also encourage you to invite them to the church. And you'll have the prayer team every Monday praying for you, praying for that person. That's what we're going to do. That's what we need to do as a church. That's what we are commissioned to do. That is our purpose 
at Renaissance Christian Church. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for saving us, each and every one of us who is a believer, for calling us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. And this morning, Lord God, we pray for courage and strength and wisdom that you would show us, Lord God, how to glorify you, how to share the gospel with our voices. And more importantly, Lord God, how to share the gospel by the way that we live, that we might keep excellent behavior among the Gentiles so that they might glorify you. It's not just for our sake, but it's for their sake. And I pray, Lord God, this morning that if there's anybody in this room this morning who does not believe in you, who's maybe never even heard the gospel, and for the first time this morning they've heard it, I pray, Lord God, that you would cause them to open their hearts and to believe on you. Believe what you've done for them. Believe that they have sinned against you and that they are in need of a Savior. I pray that they would see that your son, Jesus Christ, came to this world to die on the cross for sin, for their sin, and had taken their place and has now reconciled them to God. And they will now experience forgiveness and will one day live with you for all eternity. I pray, Lord God, for that. Again, if there's anybody in here this morning, I pray, Lord God, that they would cry out to you and believe those things. And for the rest of us, Lord, I pray that you would put it in our heart to just put somebody in our heart that we can pray for, that we can share with, at least one person this year, Lord God, that you would be working on who needs to know you. And I pray that you would give us those opportunities to live out the gospel in front of them, that we would be personally involved in their lives and we would share with them about your love and what you have done for us and that you can do the same for them, Lord God. Help us to do that. Help us to be bold in our witness and help us to share the gospel this year. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.